Hello, and once again, welcome as we continue our study on prayer based on my book, Praying with Passion, Grounded in Obedience. It is available through my website at prayingwithpassion.com. I urge you to get it so that you can get more out of each of these studies. Also, click on the follow button on Spotify and Apple Podcast using Albert M. McKegg to receive all the past and future episodes of this Bible study. This session is the second part of our study on praying in spiritual warfare. It is also part of our studies on the practical application of prayer in our lives. Prayer connects us to Almighty God. Practically speaking, that means that we are connected to the most powerful force in the universe. Nothing could be more practical than that. This session and the following sessions on praying through adversity are not intended to make you an expert on spiritual warfare, but to introduce you to its reality. It also gives hope to those who may be suffering from oppressive demonic influence or curses in their lives. Part 1, we went through part of the background and terminology used in spiritual warfare. Now let's talk about the practical application. What do we do to get rid of demons? Are demons kind of like having bugs in the house, but on a much more dangerous and grander level than that? With bugs, you call an exterminator. With demons, we call on a different kind of exterminator. We call a deliverance minister. The act of removing a demon or ridding a person of demonic oppression is called deliverance. This is not quite the same as exorcism. In the movies, we see the use of exorcism in the Catholic Church for the removal of demons or demonic influence. While exorcism is real, our understanding of it may come more from the entertainment industry than theological doctrine. Deliverance is also real, but usually not so well known as exorcism. The goal and results of both exorcism and deliverance are essentially the same, to get rid of the demonic influence. Deliverance seeks to take people out from under Satan's power and influence. Deliverance simply involves an understanding of Satan's tactics and what he and his demons can do to people. In some cases, but certainly not always, on the part of the oppressed person, it may also involve their repenting of sin and renouncing the influence of demons on themselves. A person with demonic oppression is not necessarily a hardened sinner or involved in any kind of sin. It's important to know that there are other avenues that may lead to oppression that are not overt sins of the individual. Frankly, I think that among Christians, those other avenues may be a much more common avenue for oppression than sin. Those situations may be totally inadvertent on the part of the person because they are either uninformed or have no control over the situation that caused it. They include things such as extreme physical or mental trauma or severe illness when our body and emotions have been greatly weakened. In those times, demons may attack similar to what a cold germ does because the opportunity is there. They are certainly more dangerous than cold germs, and a different persistence is required in getting rid of them. But opportunities for demonic oppression may include a person dabbling in innocent-looking occult practices like fortune-telling or tarot cards, Ouija boards, or, or being in secret societies with odd, with odd pledges of allegiance to some power or a principle other than God. Horoscopes are a cause for, for concern when used to 
guide one's life, but in so many cases, overt conscious sin may not necessarily be involved in the demonic oppression. On the other hand, deliberate sinful acts such as viewing pornography, illegal drug use, or sexual perversion may indeed open a person to demonic oppression requiring both repentance and deliverance. I have seen many, many meth and drug users in my court. I can tell you that in almost every case, I see some level of demonic influences. It may sound spooky, but I really have seen satanic lights flickering in the eyes of some meth users standing before me. Those demons recognized me as their direct enemy and a direct threat to their host. So if you still have doubts about demons in today's world, I'd invite you to come to my court and observe for a while. I believe that'll change your mind. There have been times when I was looking into the eyes of someone from my position on the bench, and there was an obvious evil power staring back at me. And I'll tell you, that is a chilling feeling. So evil is real and often manifested by demonic activities, and deliverance is needed in order for that person to be rid of those influences. Deliverance is not often taught in many of our churches and our mainstream denominations, but suffice it to say that there must be some mechanism for getting rid of demonic oppression, and deliverance is that mechanism. Let's summarize just a bit before we go on. Looking back on the last session and on the first part of this one, so far, we see that demons are real. They are minions of Satan. They do his bidding. Demons do not possess Christians, but they may oppress or influence Christians. Demons are subject to the authority of Jesus, and we, in the name of Jesus, also exercise authority over demons. In the name of Jesus, we may expel or remove demons through the mechanism of deliverance. Finally, for this brief study, let's look at curses. I find there is quite a bit of misunderstanding about curses as they relate to Christians. Curses are a part of the Old Testament, and I do believe they can fall upon a non-Christian. While I don't believe a Christian can be cursed since we are under grace and the blessings of God through Jesus, God can grant blessings, but God can also withhold blessings. Protection over us is a blessing that could be withheld in some circumstances. In the episodes on healing prayer, I said that when we willingly take ourselves out of God's protection through unrepentant sin, we may be subject to demonic attacks, but those attacks are not the same thing as a curse or being under a curse. So that you'll have a better understanding, though, of what a curse is, Let's look at the best reference for blessings and curses that is found in the Bible, which is found in Deuteronomy 27 and 28. Deuteronomy 28 begins with the following verse. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth, and these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. That's verses 1 through 3 in Deuteronomy 28. Now the chapter goes on through verses 14 to list all of the blessings that will come to a person who will fully obey the Lord and follow his commands. Almost every good thing that you can think of falls into one or more of those listed blessings. I do believe those blessings are poured out on faithful Christians through our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 
And I do believe the blessings of God on each of us continue to this day. Then we see, beginning in verse 15 and going through verse 68, Deuteronomy 28 tells us this, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. That list is far longer in covering the consequences for failure to obey God. There are great rewards for following the teachings of the Lord, and there are grave consequences for disobedience. That verse in the Old Testament specifically says that curses will come on you and overtake you. Biblical curses are directly brought about by disobedience of God. While we Christians may not be subject to a curse, when we do take part in those sinful practices or habits listed in Deuteronomy, we can and do take ourselves out of the will of God and may then be subject to demonic attacks. Numbers 14.18 tells us, The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And you think, oh wow, I mean, God punishes his children for the sins of the parents and even the grandparents and great-grandparents? That seems so Old Testament. Well, it is. And here's a mystery. The verse says that some curses may even follow a person or a family to the fourth generation. The question for us, though, the question for us believers is whether that verse applies only to the Old Testament and prior to the earthly reign of Christ, or does it mean those curses will follow the unbeliever, the non-Christian, for up to four generations? I'll give you my opinion here, and that's really what it is. I believe it applies to the current non-believers, but remember that God is a jealous God and a God of judgment. God is not to be taken lightly, nor are his laws to be ignored without the risk of strong punishment. If, through our disobedience, or the disobedience of some generation above us, we become subject to a curse, then that curse is carried out by demons. Here's some good news. It does not have to be that way. Our personal confession of Jesus as Lord and Savior will break that chain of curses. If we don't break a curse against us by that personal confession of Jesus and submission to God's will, including turning away from any bad conduct, God's protection over us may well be lifted. If we don't break any generational curse and restore God's protection over us, it may in fact follow our family into the fourth generation. We break that string through salvation. God's protection is described in Psalm 91. Here's where it states, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. When God's protection is lifted because of some event or because of some sin, the person is subjected to the actions of demons. The only way I know of to restore that situation is for the person to attain a true saving knowledge of Jesus as Lord. They must repent of any sin and disobedience and then be delivered from the further influence and consequence of demonic activity. There must be a reclaiming of any spiritual ground that has been lost to Satan. 
Now, I know we're covering a lot of new material, and keep in mind that I'm giving you a very, very short course on all of this. There is a mountain of information that would be involved to even determine whether a generational curse is in effect. Don't just automatically assume there is one. I've been studying this subject for over 20 years, and I'm just touching on a little bit of that study, and I'm just a beginner on the subject. If you believe, though, that you're dealing with some kind of curse, or if you're under some sort of spiritual attack, I'm asking that you find out how you can participate in a deliverance prayer. You can contact me through my website and we'll work on finding a solution for you. I believe you'll have accepted through biblical proof that demons really are there. They are real and they will attack us. That being the case, what are the tools the prayer warrior uses to engage the rulers and authorities of the dark world, the spiritual forces of evil, and the day of evil that will come upon us. Quite simply, we use prayer. Focused, powerful, passionate, spirit-filled prayer. All of the fundamentals we learned, the mechanics of prayer, and the heart of prayer we studied were designed to prepare you for the ultimate spiritual warfare in your life. Without prayer, it's impossible to fight Satan and his demons. As I stated at the beginning, this session is not intended to make you an expert on spiritual warfare, but merely to introduce you to its reality. It also gives hope to those who may be suffering from oppressive demonic influences or curses. There is a way for scriptural deliverance through prayer. Throughout this study, you've been shown how to develop and use this powerful tool of prayer. Next time, we'll continue our examination of prayer and spiritual warfare. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Mm -hmm.